the accidental engineer welcome all max of the accidental engineer here fedor is the founder and ceo of cirrus ci uh, one of the popular offerings on the github marketplace uh, but more generally just a continuous integration service provider so for our audience that may not be familiar with continuous integration what is it and what led you to starting the company Hey, Max, thank you for having me today on the podcast. Continuous integration, it's a very exciting topic for me. Usually, engineers, when they're working on some piece of software, they write tests. And thankfully, lately, more and more people do write tests. A test uh, helps engineers to make sure that whatever they're working on doesn't break in the future when other people will touch uh, the code base. So uh, continuous integration system is continuously making sure that all the tests that all the engineers on the team wrote during uh, the software development cycle, they're still working, checking that everything is continuously integrated with each other. Since uh, nowadays teams are growing in size, sometimes you have teams that are like 100 and more people working on the same code base, it's getting essential that there is a continuous integration system that checks that all the changes that these hundreds of people are doing is uh, continue working while they do the changes. That was an incredibly good explanation. I realized I was putting you on the spot by asking you to explain this relatively complicated topic, but I felt like that was a really comprehensive explanation. And the reason I think this is super interesting for our audience who may or may not be engineers or who may be earlier in their engineering careers is that Fedora has worked at Twitter, at Airbnb, some pretty notable employers before striking out on his own and building Cirrus. And at those companies, they're scaling the number of software engineering employees they have. And like Fedora is describing, when you hire a new software engineer and you give them a task to do, whether that's fixing a problem with the existing software or building a new feature that may not be a part of the software, how do you know that the new change they're making, whether fixing or creating something new, doesn't break everything? I think our, our audience should uh, bear in mind that this is an extremely critical piece of infrastructure to software businesses. And for people who might be curious about how you found your way to uh, CI as a, as a focus, what kinds of roles did you have as a software engineer in your career so far? So, yeah, actually I fell in love with uh, test, like the testing part of the software development, not only how to build the software, but also how to properly test it while I was working at JetBrains back in Russia. So. I originally from Russia and uh, I was also studying in university at Russia and I was doing my master's degree and at the same time I was uh, working at JetBrains and for probably some part of the audience who doesn't know uh, Jet, like what JetBrains is, JetBrains is a company that builds uh, IDEs, it's a very advanced text editors for engineers and as you can imagine like a text editor that does a lot of intelligent stuff there is a lot of things to break because there are like hundreds of people working on the same editor so someone can break highlighting someone can break completion and uh, for that at JetBrains we had uh, 
thousands and thousands of tests that we're checking that uh, the end user will get uh, proper and consistent experience while we were developing uh, the ID. So it really fascinated me in the sense that um, when I was writing this, uh, these test cases, I was sure that I did my work right. If I said that like for this release, I made this feature working, I was sure that it will continue working afterwards. So uh, then uh, after graduating from university, I moved to San Francisco to work at Twitter. And at Twitter, I worked uh, first in a product team. So it was a user-facing feature with a, uh, like very high load, like hundreds of thousands requests, and so on and so forth. But while I was working and getting this experience of uh, working on a distributed system, I started noticing that some of the tools were missing for engineers. For example, I created some IntelliJ plugins to make it easier to uh, with like day-to-day -day tasks for engineers. And after some time, I joined, I transferred internally to engineering effectiveness organization, and I was working on a build system. We, we might want to take a step back for a second, just for people who may not be familiar with what exactly build refers to. There's, there's a lot of different programming languages out there. A lot of people who might be working with Python or JavaScript who might not have ever been through, you know, formal CS education or working with compiled languages. What, why did Twitter have this uh, engineering effectiveness team and, and what, what were they building? Uh, thank you for making sure that I cover all the topics. <laughs> so um, at Twitter, there were like thousands. Uh, at, at, at the time I was, there were like 2,000 engineers. And uh, most of them, they were working in the same code base. So essentially, uh, everyone's change could have affect everyone else's work. So when you have uh, so many engineers working, Together, the, there there should be a part of engineering organizations that um, makes the this work easier for all the engineers, so make them more effective. Uh, because it's crucial to kind of craft all the engineering processes for your organizations uh, for your organization as well. So it was. Um, comparable comparably small part of engineering but like small team was uh, trying to make everyone else's life easier and from twitter you moved on to airbnb where you did similar stuff is that right yeah ex exactly so airbnb was in the transition from uh, ruby to java and uh, to, like it's a seems like a similar transition that Twitter had. So I joined Airbnb to bring my experience that I got at Twitter to make sure that uh, like new Java engineers at Airbnb will have a smooth experience as well. For, so, for people who might not have context about why a software company would take on such a big task as moving their infrastructure from or moving their code base from running as Ruby to Java and the JVM. 
what what was so attractive to Twitter and to Airbnb about moving from Ruby to Java? Uh, it was mostly uh, the reason was moving to microservices architecture mostly, and as part of it, moving to Java. Of course, you can do microservices in Ruby. Uh, Ruby is a it's 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 an interesting uh, <laughs> topic to have. Uh, but essentially, uh, there was a problem that were like hundreds and hundreds of engineers working on like a single Ruby application. It, it was just like physically impossible to have that many people working on the same code base and to make sure that it's working uh, smoothly and without regressions. Migration to microservices involved migration, or like since you were extracting and building new functionality in a separate like entities and separate services you had flexibility of a different language and java was pretty good in terms of performance as well comparing to ruby back in the days just in general ecosystem for microservices was better for java rather than ruby so one of the things that we should highlight is maybe about the product that uh, fedor created with cirrus ci and about what kind of distinguishes different types of continuous integration systems. Maybe maybe I'll give you, Fedor, an opportunity to kind of describe what you saw as missing before you built Cirrus CI and uh, how Cirrus CI fills the, the gap that existed in the market. During my years, both at Twitter and Airbnb, I had a chance to work with many continuous integration systems. And at Airbnb, we actually had uh, like an internal uh, continuous integration that engineers built there. I saw during the years that there was like not that many innovation in that area. If you take a look at like first CI systems that were created back in the 90s, there was nothing much changed. And uh, nowadays you have this fancy cloud technologies, you have like Kubernetes, you have just elasticity of the cloud. I felt that uh, there is a possibility to have uh, new ideas in this uh, continuous integration world. I can like describe a few of them if you want. Yeah, sure. I mean, before that, maybe I'll I'll mention as an aside that uh, one of Cirrus's notable clients is Flutter, the open source project out of Google. In highlighting some of the distinct things about Cirrus, we can highlight maybe why. For example, Flutter, the team at Google, chose to work with you. Sure. So it will be a great... Uh, so I explain the feature, and then it will be a great segue into how it helped uh, Flutter team to adopt Cirrus. When you take a look at the, uh, most of the CI systems, uh, CI systems, they have a notion of a CI agent. So CI agent in, in this system, it's just a VM or uh, a physical uh, machine that waits for your CI jobs to execute. So uh, in the modern world, of course, it's probably auto-scalable, sitting in some cloud, so you have like a pool of agents. Uh, You probably use Docker to uh, have flexibility. If you think about it, the only reason to have the CI agent is to quickly give you compute resources to start executing the build. It's essentially uh, give 
me like a container with like two CPUs and four gigs of memory to execute this build. But nowadays you have all this uh, cloud providers like Google Cloud can give you a VM in like tens of seconds that will like that will boot and it will be ready to execute your builds. You have Kubernetes, uh, which is especially great in like scheduling and orchestrating your uh, container workflows. So it seems you don't need to reinvent the wheel and create this CI agent. So Cirrus in that sense uses APIs of different cloud providers and execution services to schedule and orchestrate your CI workflows on them. So as a result, you have a flexibility of having from 0.1 CPU to like 90 CPUs for different workflows. As a result, for example, in a Flutter use case, uh, they used uh, 30 core uh, container tasks to compile in parallel their like huge C++ code base. And they dropped the CI time from like 45 minutes to five minutes because they had this flexibility. And at the time, uh, most popular solutions like Travis and Circle, they, they topped at like eight uh, CPUs, I believe. Another feature that really attracts a lot of customers is that you can use a Docker file as your environment for execution. It's a little bit more technical, but hopefully a lot of listeners know about Docker by that time. So you can specify a Docker file uh, with all the dependencies that you need uh, for your CI task, and uh, Cirrus will build it and pre-cache it. So you will uh, only do the installation once rather than uh, doing the installation of your necessary packages over and over again for every change. So that also helps to drop CI times in most cases uh, drastically. So in the Flutter case, it was in the beginning from like 45 minutes to just 15. So it was three times improvement by just uh, properly caching and preparing the environment of the CI tasks. Got it. Got it. So for I'll, I'll try and break it down for audience members who may not fully recognize why this is such a big deal. But if you go and you sign up for any of Fedora's competitors, if you go and you look at alternatives to Cirrus, they tend to have you go through, you know, a quick start guide where you use um, a pre-built environment for you. And this might not have requirements that sure your software depends on. Uh, for example, let's say you need a database running on your box um, or, or what have you. Cirrus CI gives you the opportunity to more customize your environment in which you're running your tests or your build, even so far as letting you choose what computer your build runs on, like in the case of Flutter, where they wanted an extremely powerful computer and that's just not something that uh, existing vendors like CircleCI, CI, et cetera, uh, could support. So um, hopefully I did a <laughs> decent job of describing what the... what the uh, Yeah, that's right. And also uh, since Flutter, it's a mobile SDK and mobile SDK should work on uh, all the operation systems that you want. And actually Cirrus was the first uh, CI on GitHub Marketplace that supported uh, Linux, Windows, and uh, uh, Mac OS at that time. Now we also support FreeBSD, 
as well. So we have very good range of yeah. operation systems and just flexibility of environments yeah, for I, people. I can speak from firsthand experience that yeah, the existing the the established uh, existing CI providers like Circle CI, Travis CI, they tended to only pr- offer up like a Ubuntu image, and that was the only Docker support they were providing. I haven't kept abreast very closely, but yeah, th- I think it's important to highlight why it's so important to use the same uh, environment in your build as the same environment running in production. Uh, maybe I, this topic has been covered a fair amount on the podcast previous, but the whole idea of your development environment mirroring your production environment as closely as possible is super important for sure. Yeah, right. I also should shout out that uh, Circle and Travis right now also support Windows, Linux, and uh, Mac OS. And I think just today Travis announced that they started supporting ARM. Uh, based uh, Linux containers, so which which is also great, and we are going to support them too pretty soon. Uh, so spoiler alert! And um, yeah, I'm just fascinated how CI uh, ecosystem is evolving right now. Because prior to me uh, deciding to create yet another CI, I was like. Oh gosh! Like there is like no innovation. There is like nothing happening uh, for years, and I was like, okay, let me try to uh, do it. And right now, there is like GitHub CI/CD right now. GitHub Actions. Yeah, this is a super recent announcement that GitHub uh, um, unveiled. Uh, we get, we can talk about it in a second, but um, maybe to give a little bit more context about how CI might fit into the broader ecosystem of how companies, you know, work on software. Why, why is there such a tight combination between CI and, uh, code hosting providers like GitHub and GitLab, et cetera. What, what for, for audience that might be curious about, uh, why you chose to, for example, start with, uh, a GitHub marketplace offering. What what's the tight integration there? Why why is that such a big deal? Uh, I feel that GitHub is, itself is right now very uh, good ecosystem. It's uh, de facto the home for all the open source projects, and um, I admire open source, and I'm like trying to open source as many of my personal projects as well as many of uh, Serious CI parts as possible. And eventually, I would like to uh, open source Serious CI as well. Uh, so it, it will be great. It seems that all everything is around the code, right? So people are, uh, engineers are working with code. Either it's a GitHub, either it's SVN, there is a code base that they're working on. And they need to uh, collaborate on this code base. And you have this core uh, collaboration part. And then you have tools on top of it. You have CI that runs CI. You have issue tracker that uh, links uh, changes to issues that they resolve. You have some other tooling like like security, like linting, and so on and so forth. So this is the, uh, the, real, the really core of the whole development cycle. And uh, 
GitHub Marketplace uh, was a great opportunity to uh, incorporate Sirius with the GitHub Marketplace. As a like first-class citizen, there is a lot of great integrations that you can, uh, a lot of great APIs that you can use to provide uh, like a native experience for the people because uh, software development cycle is not only about like submitting changes, but it's also about collaborating. So when people open a PR, the CI executes all the tests. It provides inline feedback in the GitHub UI about failures, uh, about logs. So it's all in one place, which is beautiful and very convenient for in engineers. So they don't need to spend time clicking between tabs and deciding where should I loop for something. It's like all in one place. And that's why Sirius uh, started with the GitHub app as a first integration. So code being where people or GitHub being where a lot of the market is collaborating as, you know, teams of engineers, it's kind of the center of gravity of, um, in terms of user interface for how people view code, review code and, you know, review, uh, build results, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah. And also I think, uh, GitHub is just a great place for all the, um, like latest technologies, of course, there's like a whole world of enterprise where people host their own uh, Git servers or uh, sometimes, they, of course, they do host GitHub enterprise, but I feel like there is still a, like the waste majority of uh, companies, they host their like Git servers and their CIs. So this is another area of expansion for CRCI in the nearest future. What's the what's the future look like? Do you think between uh, competing GitLab and GitHub is there is there something that you think is a winning uh, attribute of either of the two code hosting platforms? Oh, this is very interesting. Lately, so uh, GitLab started as a all in one solution, so it has everything in it. It has the uh, Git server for storing your uh, repositories. It has the issue tracker. It has CI, it has CD, it has all the security checks and so on and so forth. So uh, GitHub, on the other hand, initially, they went with a different approach. So they created the APIs for uh, other people to integrate with GitHub. So that's how uh, like Travis got started as a, like probably the most popular uh, integration on GitHub and all other um, tools from amazing engineers around the world, they kind of drove this ecosystem with the like work. This was the distinctive uh, factor between GitHub and GitLab. Like GitLab, uh, GitLab once again is like all in one solution and GitHub is a core for other integrations to, to uh, add to this ecosystem. And lately, you can see there's like a lot of acquisitions from GitHub, as well as a lot of features that they're developing. And it seems they are also now changing direction a little bit into being all in one solution and uh, have all the tools under the GitHub umbrella. I think it's like changing that fast right now. So we need to see what, what will happen. Fair enough, fair enough. Is there any, I realize 
you kind of hinted at some of the new uh, product features that are coming up for Sierra soon, like ARM support and um, FreeBSD. What are what are some of the longer term features that you see becoming deal breakers when it comes to how uh, companies vet and decide about uh, their continuous integration systems and what they use and uh, which vendors they choose? Yeah, I feel the one of the biggest uh, feature that attracts users is speed, of course. You want your CI be as fast as possible. And there are like many uh, things involved in making a, a CI build fast. It's not only about CI system, but it's also sometimes about how you build your application or how you deliver it. So from the CI standpoint, there are like many phases that you have. First of all, you need to start the build, right? So it, it, it matters how fast you can uh, start execution of a build. Uh, so this one area that uh, we're going to work by uh, creating a custom scheduler for Kubernetes that will uh, use some heuristics as well as a little bit of machine learning to better execute and schedule containers to make sure that you immediately start executing a CI task once you submit the change. Once you start executing the change, uh, you have several options. You have you can have more CPUs for your uh, task execution, but not everything scales with the CPUs going up. Uh, actually, I feel that just a fraction of uh, builds uh, will actually benefit from more CPUs. And then uh, you can like tweak the environment. You can have like SSDs. You can add GPUs depending on the wor workflow. Uh, this is uh, another thing that will make your CI task faster and uh, in the end, the development cycle of your engineers faster. Uh, and uh, uh, last thing but not least is caching. Caching is very important nowadays uh, because uh, your uh, software is growing that fast. It's not only like a few files and a few libraries anymore. If you take a look at the how many libraries your application is using is like hundreds, sometimes thousands transitive dependencies. Sometimes you have a lot of modules and you also need to make sure that you don't do the same work over and over again. And this is where caching is crucial as well. So all these features and uh, attributes CI tasks can be improved one at a time and contribute to the overall speed of your development cycle. I think this topic is something that resonates with a lot of people who might be working on teams where their builds are, are really, really long, or at least uh, they might feel that way and they don't have any uh, way to gauge whether their build is something that, some, that they could, I guess, improve the runtime of. So for maybe serious customers who are seeing long build times, You've kind of laid out all of the different points at which there could be rooms for room for improvement, but what do you think are the the common errors that people make when they seem to be just living or getting by with really long build times? What what is it that you think most people are overlooking that if they were to investigate, they'd find that they could cut their build times by 
significant amounts, maybe from like 40 minutes, 45 minutes to 15 minutes, like with the Flutter Teams case. Yeah, I, f I feel the the most biggest improvement you can get is just by caching. So you can pre-build uh, your environment that your tasks need. So if you need some native binaries, just like bake into the Docker image. Uh, if you are not using uh, some like advanced build system, for example, if you're using uh, Maven, you might want to switch to like Gradle with HTTP, like with the ca like HTTP caching that they have, or some like advanced system like Bazel and uh, Bazel-like build system that are truly uh, making the effort to make your builds as cacheable as possible. Uh, that's probably like the one thing that everyone can benefit from. And I saw a lot of use cases where people just, okay, we just added cache and it's like five times faster, four times faster. <laughs> so for... And the second part. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and the second thing is uh, parallel builds. So run many things in parallel. So uh, for example, uh, one of uh, our customer, they run like, almost 200 VMs in parallel for every commit, and they run an integration test on each one of them, uh, like a group of integration tests of on each one of them. And they have like 200 VM parallelism for like running tests. And uh, for uh, we saw the same results for some of the open source projects because uh, Cirrus uh, has uh, really generous uh, free limits for open source and for uh, private repositories, it's per second billing for uh, time of execution. There is no concurrency limit. So you can have like, again, hundreds and, hundred of, and hundreds of containers running for your CI tasks. So parallelism is another uh, great area of improvement. Gotcha. For for people who might be stuck in the land of Maven or other tools that don't have uh, caching tooling like Gradle and Bazel have, what do you think is the impediments people have with moving to tools like Gradle and Bazel? What what is it that makes it? Uh, why why hasn't everybody moved to these tools yet? Like, it seems crazy. It's, it's again, it's uh, you need to invest in the in the move and sometimes it just doesn't make sense i mean you still can cache a lot of things for like maven or like some other uh, build system it's not like there is no silver silver bullet for uh, how to build software i feel before doing some migrations you probably want to spend a little bit of time to understand what's going on with your build and maybe there is some obvious reason why it's so slow and you can just do again like parallel builds or uh, cache some like just folders you, you are not necessarily need integration with the build system to get real good performance improvements one thing we'll for sure do is we'll include links in the show notes to some of the resources we've talked about so far like obviously great old basil uh cirrus for sure um some of the documentation it's super well documented thank you fedor <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you, Max. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, any any parting thoughts for people who might be starting their software engineering careers and might be working in uh, teams or companies that really haven't 
fully bought into the value of prioritizing the health of their continuous integration systems like how how can how can people advocate for workplaces more like the ones that you've been at like twitter and airbnb and intel uh, excuse me not intelj uh jetbrains before that like what's what do you think culturally uh is the value people can uh emphasize to highlight the value of ci uh, I, I feel that before highlighting the value of CI, you need to first highlight the value of tests. I've seen a lot of uh, uh, projects, teams, and companies that still don't have um, a good test coverage. And I feel this is a necessary thing to have once you scale the, uh, the team and the project. Because I, I always told my colleagues that I'm writing tests not to just for writing tests. I write them so I can sleep well. I know that if my tests are passing, I can sleep well. It's like oh, everything working. I won't be paged during the night. I feel that first have some testing that you really trust and then move towards uh, making CI uh, also part of your life and continuing process. I don't know how people do refactorings without test, like good tests. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> I I don't I don't know if you really can. Like it it might not be possible. <laughs> so it's YOLO. YOLO 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 DD. <laughs> yeah. YOLO yeah, driven development. Something like that. Well, Fedor, thank you for coming on as a guest. It's been awesome to chat with you. Uh, thank you, Max. Thank you for having me. For more, visit us on iTunes or our website at theaccidentalengineer.com.